Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Welcome back to The Deal Board, everybody. And today, we have a great show planned for you, but also, it's our first video podcast. Um, So we have some video recording for this intro that we're doing right now and with our interviews today. So if you're not already following us on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, which will be in the show notes. But anyway, our topic today is when is it time to sell? And Andy, we have some great guests and great conversations for the show, right? We do. And I want to thank, welcome everybody to not only our first video podcast, exploration into video for our uh, YouTube and uh, getting it out there. Probably we'll get it out there on social media. Off to the right here, I have our social media partner, uh, Jess Bojo, which we will in, we will interview at a little bit later time and put him on a future show. Uh, but we have some great interviews. Lots of people always ask us, when is it time to sell? When's the perfect time to sell? And uh, we always tell them that, you know, it's it's really a personal preference, but there are specific times where people come along, there's roll-ups, there's all kinds of things that you should think about selling. When these things come in, your ship has come in and it's time to go. Yeah. And we, I want to thank um, House of Pod because recently Andy was out in Denver and we got to go to this great podcasting studio called House of Pod. And we had a couple business sellers join us, Nathan Willis and Allie Elman, and they talked about their transactions and what was the writing on the wall of like, this was time to go. And we talked about both like negative scenarios and positive scenarios, things like, you know, burnout or just, you know, the landlord wasn't working out. But we also talked about like, if you get that crazy insane offer, like that's also a positive time to go, right? When you get that insane offer, it's it's time to go. Yeah, and, so, we, and we literally had that with uh, Michael Alshuster, who's our other interview on this show. And he owned the copier business uh, back in the day and big dealership. And they came along and they made him an offer he absolutely couldn't refuse. And uh, he did the right thing by uh, selling it. And he had a lot of personal things going on, which he talks about in his interview. So it's a great interview. And we have some, of course, good deal of the week and a good listing of the week to kind of outline those kind of uh, scenarios. Yeah, but great interviews, a little bit longer interviews uh, this week, but well worth it. We hope you take some uh, insights out of the interviews and out of the business owners that are sharing their stories with us this week. And again, hope you enjoyed the video. Let us know what you think. You can always reach us at tworld.com backslash the deal board um, and give us your comments or even suggestions on what we should be covering on the podcast. Yeah. And again, thank you to House of Pod for hosting us. It was a, a fantastic place. I, I foresee more places like that opening up across the United States and uh, they were great hosts. And uh, welcome to the uh, new Transworld Studios as well. So uh, we'll be upgrading this as we go along as well. Great. Well, let's get to it. Let's do it. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, 
visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Hey, welcome back everybody. And we have a great guest on right now, a good friend of mine. And I just met him. And you know, when you meet someone, you become fast friends. Michael Altshuler, uh, he is with Mastermind Edge. He is a keynote speaker. He is a performance coach. He's a great guy to have at your conference, and that's how I met him. We we had him down to our uh, big expo at United Franchise Group, my partners with all of our franchisees, and I immediately got drawn to Michael because, uh, number one, he has a great story, great entrepreneurial story, and that's why he's here to today to talk about his entrepreneurial story, because I thought it rang true for many of our buyers um, that are, or, excuse me, many of our sellers that are thinking about kind of retiring or, and, 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 and they fear um, going to the other side, or they don't understand the timing of selling your business. So Michael, I, I just did a huge kind of tee up for you to tell your story, but why don't you give us a little bit about what you're doing now and then kind of what led you to that? Okay, great. My, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on your show, Andy. And it's always difficult to step into those big shoes that you set up for me, but I'll, I'll try to do that. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, 21 years old, started uh, a copier company. Actually, my dad co-signed a $10,000 note uh, for me and uh, got started in the copier business in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And so ever since my adult life, it was my first ser- real serious thing I did in business. And I built the company up to a multi-million dollar year company. And then there was a roll-up going on in my industry, two major companies, billion-dollar-plus companies, buying all the copier companies, or certainly many copier companies in the industry. At this point, I had been in the business over 20 years wow. and uh, been, been, uh, been you know, fairly successful, had some major accounts. And, you know, I, I was, I was, I was drawn to, to call them and sell because I thought it was an opportune time. But also I have to tell you, I was very attached, emotionally attached to my company. It's the only thing I'd ever done from 21 until my forties. Uh, I named it after my dad and myself. My dad's middle name was Adrian. My middle name is Lewis. It was Adrian Lewis corporation. Uh, I have all these over a thousand customers and I developed great relationships with them. They were friends. And here, the only thing I've ever known in my adult life, the only business I really was successful at and really created my identity to, even in name, now I'm thinking about selling it. So it was really a detachment challenge. Uh, but I'm a businessman. And sometimes you have to give it over emotions and make logical, educated decisions. And I said, if I'm going to do it, timing is everything. Now is the time. And it was just when they started buying a lot of companies. And I said, if I'm on the other end of this, they're going to be able to buy huge volumes of copiers and they're going to edge me out. They're going to be able to buy them at a better price than I'm able to buy them. They're going to have economy of scale issues or situations that I'm not going to be able to compete with. And I saw the writing on the wall and, you know, business timing is important. You have to take action. So that's when I decided I'm going to sell. And then there was a whole system and process and strategy I put in place to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, we always tell people when the big roll up comes, it's certainly a time 
to decide whether or not you should go because exactly right. And, you know, these roll-ups, some of them are good and some of them fail. I mean, you know, certainly in the auto industry, you see something like AutoNation go out and do the roll-ups and they're very successful. And then we saw, you know, other things like uh, there was a company called Gerald Stevens that did a roll-up in the florist business that failed miserably. Um, so, you know, sometimes it's time to go and, um, and sometimes it's not, sometimes you can weather the storm. Certainly they're going to come in, have buying power, make a big push, have public money to put out there in the marketplace that might chew on you for a little while. But, you know, it sounds like you made the right decision and sometimes it's combined with things that are going on in your life too. So you were, you kind of looked at kind of the big picture too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you, you know, nothing in life is a hundred percent. A few things are a hundred percent, you know, uh, and, and I'll tell you what, what I decided. I said, you know, you want to make calculated decisions, you weigh the pros and the cons at a great run, very successful. And like I said, I had to put emotions out of it and I had to say, it's, if I'm going to do it, this is the time to do it. And you know, you don't know what's on the other end. You don't know what you're going to do. I became a peak performance expert and a keynote speaker, as you know, and started a, a mastermind uh, company where we hold mastermind groups. But I didn't really know that. wasn't crystal clear on that to your earnout. But I'll tell you something that was critically important, Andy. Uh, anything you do of this magnitude, I've made some big sales in my life. Uh, you know, Trump was my happened to be my largest customer, and I did millions of dollars in business with him. Talk about taking risks. Sure. And uh, and even when he went bankrupt, I got paid dollar for dollar because of the relationships uh, that I had with my clients. But my point is this. You know, when you're working on a huge sale, and certainly the sale of your business is one of the biggest sales, you need to be educated. You, you, you have so much on the line, more than you've ever had. Just like your house is the biggest purchase, this is the biggest sale you're ever going to make of your company. And if you don't have representation, if you didn't do your research, if you didn't create an ironclad strategy, then you're doing yourself a major disservice on what can impact your life more than anything else ever in terms of in a monetary way. And, you know, I went to a seminar on recasting uh, and I, I spoke to experts and had someone like you been around approach me, I certainly would have had representation to guide me through this process to make not just the good decisions, because a good decision will get you good results. I would want to make the best decision. Because yeah. We're not talking about thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars. Because of my strategy, because of the the, the countless hundreds of hours I put in creating the strategy, I literally, my company probably should have sold for 1.7 million and I got 3.2 million. And this is 30, 30 some years ago with a really nice two year earn out. Right. And that only happened as a result of doing the research, creating the strategies and speaking to people that were experts. Yeah. Uh, well, we always say, uh, and you, obviously you're very, I, I, you're, a guy who does his research, who executes a plan. And, uh, and I can see that, you know, again, through your keynote speeches and your mastermind sessions that you put together, uh, all great stuff. And so obviously you're that kind of person, not everybody is. Um, and, but even if you're that good, the other side, especially when they're doing roll-ups, are very well represented. They've done this before. They know what they want to do when they get into a deal. So, you know, you know, and I don't know if they tried to give you, you know, the proverbial haircut after they gave you an LOI uh, before closing, but you know, those are the things you got to watch out for. Well, I, I, I want to, I take one, I want to track one thing. You're, you're right. 
and I was dealing with the, the VP of acquisitions using this fund that he had, and it's a $3 billion a year company. So here I am, a $5 million a year company at the time. I had no clue how to position this, but I did speak, I take it, I did speak to an expert, and that was my attorney. My attorney did a lot of acquisitions, and uh, he would negotiate with their people. I would negotiate, and it did become a team, a team effort. Uh, he wasn't, you know, his role wasn't the same as what your role would be, Andy, uh, or anyone else that buys and sells or helps sellers or, or buyers. But his was a role just to to basically bounce ideas off and say this is the best strategy to move forward. But sure. uh, I can tell you this: anytime. You know, none of us go this road alone. Anytime you're planning on something this significant, for anyone listening that ever thought about selling their company, you know, it is a scary time because, A, you know it, you're emotionally attached, you don't know what you're going to do afterwards. But I have to tell you, timing is important. And like anything else in this world, get expert advice because it's the biggest sale you're ever going to make. And and like you, many times I'm sure you give advice, Andy, and maybe it's not a good decision for them to do something. I know you're you know, I, that's what I love about you. You have so much integrity. You'll tell people this isn't, you know, I referred you to a client. You said, no, you're in good hands where you're at right now. Right. You know, it's that integrity that you carry into this that, you know, anyone was thinking about. And if I was selling my next company, you know, and I'm not saying this because I'm on your podcast, I would call you because I know you'd give me that unbiased, super educated uh, expertise and, and, uh, and advice that I could maximize whatever direction I'm going in or not going in based on your advice. So, uh, yeah, I, would, I, I just think that, that, you know, selling a company was a great thing. The best thing I ever did. It was a very uh, tumultuous time in my life too. Cause I was going, you know, the, the stress factors, I was leaving, I was moving, I was getting a divorce, selling my company that I've been attached to. So everything kind of took its, its, its toll a little bit on me, but, but at the end of the day, uh, you, you get out on the other side and, and you, you just uh, you grow as a result of this and get better. And uh, like I said, it, it was a, tr- a tr- terrific decision I made. But you got to make that. You certainly have to contemplate it. And then, you know, if you're going to do it, you make sure you get you, you do the research and create the strategies to, to make the best decision. Right. And and so, you know, talk about a little bit about the other side. Right. So that's one of the big fears of entrepreneurs. They think their identity is locked into their business. You talked about it that, you know, not only was your identity, but the name, your father's name, your (laughs) name, uh, you know, you put that into the, you know, and, and the fear is that they're going to sell their business and they're not going to be who they were or, uh, you know, or, you know, the worst thing in the world's going to happen. They're not going to realize their earnouts They're not going to realize seller notes and, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, what's it like on the other side for some of these entrepreneurs and, you know, what'd you do first kind of to kind of set your life up in the next direction? Yeah, listen, I, I had my bumps in the road. I wasn't, I started a new few businesses that weren't as successful, but when you're an entrepreneur, you know, the, you know, I, I, I know some very, very successful entrepreneurs that have done billions of dollars a year in business. Uh, then I've been on my podcast show, like Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank and, and Ivan Meisner and, and many others. And I'll tell you, they, most of them fail more than they succeed. But the, the entrepreneurial spirit, the other side of this is you do all the right things. You continue to learn and grow. And, you know, it's, uh, you don't 
succeed or fail, you succeed or learn. And, and, uh, so I continue to just keep pushing forward and now, you know, have a very successful thriving business and my speaking and mastermind. So it's, you know, the same skills, the same mindsets that you have when you built your business, all the habits, the rituals and routines that it took to build the original business, the effort, the, the, the work effort, the work ethic, all those things you're going to carry into your new business if you decide to do that versus retire. And I didn't want to retire because I still love business. And understand that nothing is guaranteed, but all the great ones just keep taking shots. And it's the excitement of doing that and the learning along the way. And eventually you'll, you know, if you hit something right away, great. If you don't, you'll, you'll hit something right after that or right after that. And, uh, like I said, it's not certainly not fatal and what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and you just, it's, it's great. So I'm, it can't be bad. I went from New Jersey. I live in Florida overlooking the intercoastal and, uh, and it's a, a good thing that I did. And had I not done it, I, I definitely would not be, I would be at a lesser place in my life as opposed to a better place in my life. I also believe nothing happens by mistake. I, I met my amazing wife and, this is all because I moved to Florida and, and that's all because I sold my company. So good things happen that we can't always put our finger on, but, but they happen as a result of thinking things through and doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason. So that's all great stuff. And that's exactly what, you know, entrepreneurs need to hear that there's a, a life on the other side or even a better life on the other side. So the one thing that we don't do here well at trans or don't do at trans world, uh, not that we don't do anything well, but it, it, that we don't do uh, is help people kind of gear up their companies for sale. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs are kind of stuck or they're kind of starting to wind things down. That's exactly what you don't need to do. So I know you do that and you do that really well. So why don't you, you know, we kind of wrap this up with some of the things that you can do to help entrepreneurs to get their company ready to sell, you know, so it's at peak performance. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something. That, well, I, I appreciate uh, you asking me to share that because, you know, my heart and my head is to help people become better than they are, the best version of themselves and, you know, comfort is the killer of success. And it's so easy. I just got off a coaching call with a client and he had a very, has a very successful business, but it's been dipping. He's been, it's, it's so fat with profit that he took his foot off the, off the gas. And you could never do that. Never do that. So if you're thinking about selling what, what I do, you know, like any coach, peak performance coach, I'm a team coach for sales teams, is I help them see what they can't see and do what they haven't been doing. I help them, uh, fill the gaps and give them ideas and strategies and, and peak performance principles to get their bottom 80% of their sales team operating and thinking like the top 20% of their sales team. And that's a process and it's a system and it's not just a rah-rah. No, there's ways to actually hold people accountable and, and, and ways to keep people engaged every single day so they make more calls and they're better on those calls. But the first thing, you know, everything starts at the top and filters down. So ultimately, when I meet with CEOs of companies, we first, you know, as Covey says in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, start with the end in mind. What's the goal here? What's the game plan? Where do we want to be? And then we figure out, okay, what are the strategies to get there? What have we tried before that hasn't worked? What's standing in our way? What's working? 
what's the best models in our industry that we can follow to really exponentially grow, ex- accelerate, and maximize our success, especially if we're in a position to sell our company. We want to do this on the uptick, not the downtick. We want to sure. make sure that we're, we're growing so we can maximize that sale. Excellent. Michael, how best can people get in touch with you? Well, I, I offer many ways. Carrier pigeon, singing telegram. <laughs> but the, the conventional ways are uh, they can uh, email me at Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, at Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, Altshuler, A-L-T-S-H-U-L-E-R.com. And they can call me at 561-818-6387. That's my direct line. And, of course, they can uh, check out some videos and what I do on my website, which is www.michaelaltshuler.com. And he truly is a great guy to have at your conference. He actually is a magician. Not only is he a magician with companies, but he actually does magic tricks when he's standing around and it's so much fun. He's a a wonderful entertainer, but a real businessman and a, a real motivator. And so, Michael, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Andy, thank you for having me. Hey, Andy, you know what time I think it is? I think it's time to talk about our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold. Welcome back. And for our deal of the week this week, Todd Bailey, president of Transworld Business Advisors of Wichita, is joining us again on the show. Todd, welcome back. Thank you, Jessica. Glad to be here. So tell us a little bit. You just sold a company that fits our theme of time to sell. Tell us a little bit about this company and why it was time to sell for them. You bet. This is a very interesting opportunity. So I met this young man who is um, a Chinese student here at Wichita State University studying entrepreneurship. And he came to Wichita, Kansas to study undergrad and graduate school for entrepreneurship. And as part of that, uh, obviously, he has an entrepreneurial nature. And he started a business while he was in school and built it up to doing over $600,000 within the first three years. Wow. Very interesting. Yes. And so he is planning to move back to China when he graduates, which is going to be actually this summer. And so we met actually about two years ago and talked about the process a little bit. He decided he wanted to wait until he was a little bit closer to the time he was going to move back to China. And so we reengaged last summer because we talked about how it could take up to a year to sell a business, and he understood that. We reengaged last summer and we were able to get it sold ahead of him moving back to China. Wow. So it sounds like it, sounds like it was the time to sell, but also it happened in a good time frame for him. So tell us a little bit um, about the numbers of the business. What was the SDE and what did it um, eventually sell for? You bet. So he built that up from scratch up to doing over $600,000 a year in annual revenue. And his SDE was over $130,000 a year on that. And we were able to sell that business for just a little bit over $200,000. That's great. And where'd you find the buyer and how was the transaction financed? Great question. I found the buyer just through local networking. And uh, I had somebody I'd met several months before. He looked at a couple of other listings that we had and didn't find the right fit. And we just stayed in touch like we always try to do. And this one came across the desk and became a great fit for him. And it ended up being another great deal for my seller because it was an all cash deal my my uh, for my buyer it was an all cash deal my seller was able to finance some other assets that he had so that there would have to be no seller financing 
Well, that's great. It sounds like another good deal for good people. Todd, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing. My pleasure. Anytime. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to The Deal Board. And today we are on location in Denver, Colorado, at a very special place called the House of Pod. I highly recommend it if you're looking to do a podcast. This is a great place to do it. Uh, Some real equipment, so our voices probably sound really good, right, Jessica? Yeah, it's also our first video podcast, too. So if you haven't checked us out on YouTube yet, um, you can jump on our YouTube station, and we'll put that in the show notes. But you get to see us in person for once, um, so that's pretty exciting as well. Yeah, we're looking to do a little bit more of that in the future. And so we have a couple guests with us today because that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to bring the guests and get their questions. So why don't you introduce everybody for us, Jess? Yeah, so we have have a couple of business owners that have recently sold their companies joining us today. Uh, The first to my right is Nathan Willis. Nathan, you want to just introduce yourself a little bit, talk a little bit about your background? Yeah. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me today. My name is Nathan Willis. And uh, over the course of the last 11 years, I operate a small fitness chain by the name of Denver Gym and Fitness. And about a year and a half ago, I decided to exit those businesses and was fortunate enough to be linked up with Al Fiakovich and the Rocky Mountain team here at Transworld, and Al helped me get the business sold. Great. Well, thanks for joining us today. And we also have Allie Elman joining us as well, recently sold her businesses in the hospitality industry. So Allie, why don't you introduce yourself? Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, so I was in the hospitality world for about 10 years, Um, had several concepts, and one of which I went through uh, Transworld Rocky Mountain to sell. And was lucky enough to have Alf Yakovich as well as my broker, and uh, he helped walk me through the process and got our business sold. Well, Al's not here, here today, so <laughs> we can be nice, but we don't have to be. Yeah, no. Al's great, yep. and he, he absolutely does good deals for good people, and we have two great people here today to ask us questions or to just kind of go over what their process was like and kind of relay that to you because that's what the deal board's all about. Right, yeah. So today we figured that it would be a good topic to bring in two people who've gone through the exit process and talk a little bit about you know what they learned through the process, but also what they wish they would have known. Um, so, Allie, I know there was some things we were talking about earlier. Really, when you were coming in to sell the business, you know, what were the first questions you had in your mind? What were you dying to know about what the process entailed? Well, I am a, a very curious person, so I ask a lot of questions off the bat. Um, but um, some things I just didn't even know to ask were really how— um, how you guys were valuing the business. Um, I understood that there was going to be a recast, but I didn't know what that meant. We, of course, like most business owners, knew, thought we knew kind of what our range was for the business. And um, we weren't far off from that, actually. So, um, yeah, we were pleasantly surprised. But, um, yeah, I didn't really understand a whole lot about what the recast process was. We just handed over a bunch of our financials and then, You know, you guys did your magic and came back and told us what the valuation was. Well, recasting is funny, right? We talk about it on a past episode, but it's something really specific to our industry. It's not, you know, a financial tool that a lot of business owners use. Um, You know, Andy, how would you explain what a recast is to a business owner who's never heard of it before? Well, a recast is basically trying to get all the businesses for sale out there to kind of look and be able to be compared in the same manner. And so business owners use their financials to uh, 
report to the government. And that's what we're, and they're trying to minimize taxes. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to show all the money that's available to a buyer to either, you know, pay themselves or pay down debt. And we're trying to maximize that number. So there's two inherent like conflicts in trying to get that information across. And then people handle their, handle their financials differently. One owner will be run a very clean set of books and pay, maybe pay themselves a salary. And the other one will like charge off everything in the, that they could possibly charge off on their business. So we're trying to get it so that we could actually compare business to business. So that the part, the process of recasting is finding all that money and bringing it back to reality of where we think one owner operator is running the business. Right. And it is confusing. Like I said, it's not a it's not a process most business owners are familiar with. And I think, you know, part of going through the sale process, if you're working with a broker, that broker is going to walk you through the process. But ultimately, it's in the seller's best interest to go through this recasting process to increase the valuation at the end of the day. Um, you know, Ali, I know also like your businesses had a lot of assets in them too, right? They so, did. Mm-hmm. So that was part of the valuation process as well. Like yeah. what questions popped up for you around that? <sighs> well, so like Andy was saying, when you give your uh, financials over to uh, an accountant, they're going to do a lot of things to depreciate um, your, you know, your equipment and it might not look as valuable as you think it could. Um, but it was really helpful to see that actually, you know, a new new owner might find those things to be very valuable. Um, so that came up. You know, there was a lot of things around um, even the uh, the inventory. We sold a coffee business, so we had a lot of, um, you know, whole beans and things like that that really were worth thousands of dollars. And we didn't even take that into consideration. So, yeah. I mean, there's, and at the end of the day, it all gets wrapped into the valuation. I think one of the big questions that we get a lot is, you know, so do we have a value for the business and then value the assets separately? And and usually that gets rolled into the cash flow number in total. Yeah, there's there's three ways to value a business. One of them is on the income. One of them is comparing it to other businesses that have sold like it in the industry. And the last one is basically a collection of assets. And the two methodologies shouldn't mix. So you can't value the income and then throw assets on top of it unless they're not really related to generating the income. So, so, but you know, it, it is taken into account. I mean, obviously if you have excess inventory or like in the coffee business, I, you know, it's a commodity, right? And sometimes it's really expensive and you're doing smart things like buying coffee when it's less expensive or trying to get bulk buys. So all those things we, we have to value, uh, valuations in art, not a science, a science. So, you know, Al is very good. He's a very good artist, right? So (laughs) he's bringing all that information together and we're trying to, again, bring it to the marketplace so people can make reasonable comparisons. You know, when you're out there looking on biz by sell or something, you, you want to feel good that if we're looking at your coffee shop compared to, you know, maybe another 20 available in the greater Colorado area, uh, they could see why yours is better. Right. All right. It makes a lot of sense. Yep. And I, I know, Nathan, you went through a lot of the same process, too, in terms of valuation and recasting. But one of your biggest concerns was related to the lease when you were selling, right? Yeah, the lease uh, from the inception getting into uh, this club in particular was 9,000 square feet. And so negotiating a lease like that in Denver was difficult on the onset. And then 
when it was time to exit, fast forward to 2018, the the market is considerably uh, hotter than it was then. And the personal guarantees and would the landlord actually provide an assignment uh, really opened my eyes to the fact that if he chose not to work with us, we might not be able to sell the business. Yeah. And I mean, the lease is, is especially in a hot market like we're in right now in commercial real estate and pretty much all, all over the country. A lease is a, a really complex process to deal with in terms of an assignment. Um, and Andy, I know we run into lots of different lease issues. And I mean, that might be a good topic for all of us to talk about of just what to watch out for in your lease when you're getting ready to sell. Yeah. When you're getting ready to sell, especially if you're in a hot market, uh, we did have a, 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 larger gym for sale in the uh in the uh, greater Miami area in the in the Gables and it was a it was the only gym really in the downtown Gables it was 9000 square feet and guess what happened they, they were very close to the end of that lease and when we went to sell the business the landlord said we are absolutely not renewing that lease because the, the it was so valuable to them so they wound up not being able to sell and not being able to relocate because there was no place available for that kind of money. So we look at leases very carefully. We have to look at the assignment clauses and see what and we look at. And we have a lot of connections with a lot of landlords and a lot of landlord companies. And that really helps small business owners as well. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things, and there's a lot of value that brokers provide, but negotiating the lease and the lease assignment, especially in this market, is a huge value piece. I think the other thing that's important is a lot of people ask us what they should be doing to prepare their business or sale. And, you know, just pulling out the lease and reading what that assignment clause says, and some of them are pretty generic, like the landlord can choose to assign this lease at their discretion to whoever they approve, right? But some of them, you know, we've even seen some stuff. There might be costs associated with assigning your lease. If you're coming up to the end of the lease and you know you have under market rent, that's something we have to take into consideration in the recast if we know the rent's probably going to go up on the next renewal. So it's a big piece. Allie, I know you had some lease issues too, right? Yeah. So at one time I had uh, six different leases um, going in six different concepts. Um, and um, one of them, in fact, I, I had wi- I wish I had known about Transworld before because, you know, business brokers can not only help sell your business, but they can help you uh, get rid of liability. And so I had wish I had known that because sometimes it's worth just having someone really take over the space for, for minimal value, but to take on that liability. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. So someone, you know, purchasing the spaces and the asset method, like mm-hmm. we talked about earlier, yeah. just to get you off the personal liability as an owner. Yeah, we've seen that a lot in some of some businesses, especially restaurants and sometimes gyms and sometimes hair salons where they built out a, a beautiful, a beautiful space and they just didn't have the right marketing plan or they don't have the effort or something happened in their lives where they're now sick and they just want to get out from under that lease. We can help find someone to take over that lease, especially in a marketplace like this where, you know, people are fighting for space. So uh, it's a good market for us to help people sell their businesses that aren't even making money. So, right. Good opportunity there. Nathan, I know you ran into some other questions that came up what what else were you concerned about or did you did you want to know more about while you're going to the business sale process? Well, there was one other second level challenge with the lease that I think is kind of interesting to talk about is the buyer was set up uh, with an SBA financer and we found out that the repayment terms on the SBA note was going to be 10 years. 
And in my lease, I only had a seven-year renewal option. And so once we got down the road with the banker, the banker came back and said, in order to make this work, we're going to not only need the landlord's blessing, but we're going to need an additional three years added on to the total term that's available so that we can capture uh, the the 10-year term. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you know, just like anybody else, the not only the bank wants to see that the buyer has the ability to make the money back and be able to pay back the loan. So they're definitely going to want at least the lease terms to match the life of the loan. It can be through options. And we've actually convinced a couple of banks every once in a while. We've had uh, some multi-unit uh, sales uh, in the past where there's like 21 leases and you have to try to get 21 lease assignments and 21 leases to match the, um, the uh, and it was a tanning salon. And so we proved to the bank that a tanning salon is highly uh, mobile and we could get, you know, a lease within the certain areas of some of these things. So we were able to convince them to waive that, but it's hard. And, and you know, back to, you know, what you were saying uh, with um, just trying to get uh, the bank's that's the banks are another liability, another, uh, and, and, and you were talking about the guarantees, uh, the guarantees are usually going to have to be not only borne by the buyer, but the seller's going to have to stay on. And then you have seven years left. You're going to, you might, the, the bank and the landlord might want you to be on the renewal as well. And you, and you, you know, a seller has to realize that they may have to stay on the lease most of the time. Yeah. Especially in a market, in a market like this. I mean, we're seeing that very, very often right now. And I think uh, a lot of business owners do think they're going to sell their business, get removed from the personal guarantee on the lease and walk away. And that's just not the case right now. We've been able to negotiate them off um, the renewals or like do something, a tiered down structure where maybe they're on for a hundred percent for the first couple of years and then tear it down. But it's just, it's yeah, what, just a reality. Right. We'll negotiate that for them. But, you know, again, uh, to to get out of a lease it, it is not an easy thing. And the, and especially when the buyer is not as strong as the seller. You're a known quantity as the seller, right? You've been paying the, uh, the, the lease uh, for several years. And now all of a sudden, a buyer comes maybe from outside the country getting a that has no credit here in the United States. So we've seen crazy things, not not only where the buyer and the seller have to be personally guaranteed, but the buyer has to put up a year deposit like yeah. a whole year deposit. Yeah, we've, we've seen that on a few deals in Denver too. And it's, you know, we've seen some crazy asks, but I think that's why it's so important to have, you know, whether it's a broker or someone in your corner while, while you're either buying or selling a business or even just as a new business owner, somebody helping negotiate these leases for you. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff in there that you really need to understand in order to operate your business. Yeah, great so, questions. Yeah, great questions. Nathan, what about, uh, we talked a lot about with your deal with, gift card liabilities and things like that, right? Yeah. So I guess for some businesses that collect money in advance and then the services are provided thereafter, uh, that could be a sizable number. And in my business, we sold personal training uh, one of two ways. Folks could either pay us in advance and then receive the services as they use them, or they could pay it on a monthly recurring basis. And what had happened is over the years, uh, some members had amassed uh, a mountain of personal training services that technically were on the balance sheet. Uh, I was fortunate that we had called out an expiration of, I believe at that time, 12 months. And so 
there were some services that had expired off, but come the time of sale, we had to do the calculation and it was tens of thousands of dollars that had I known going into it, that number, it would have been less surprising, but it was, it was a. Yeah. I've worked on a few massage, uh, franchise companies that shall remain nameless, but a few big ones. And they have, uh, some of them have a lifetime guarantee that they'll honor those gift certificates no matter when they come back. And so usually what happens is, you know, you get that number and it could be like $200,000, $300,000 for a business that may be selling for half a million. Like, and what you have to do is you look back and you do a look back over the 12 months of the redemption rate, and then you just have to cut a deal. Yeah. It's all about negotiation. I think it's also like, it's a good learning lesson. If you're operating your business right now and thinking about a sale in the future and you do have these gift cards, like how can you limit that liability transferring over to a buyer, maybe by having expiration dates or, you know, a certain percentage of the gift card expires every year. You can put policies into place for that stuff. We've seen some crazy things like sellers really dumping gift cards on the marketplace right before they sell. (laughs) So, you know, you got to watch out for that. This stuff that, you know, we're trying to find out in due diligence. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, to both of you, what were, I mean, what were the biggest surprises, both good and bad going through the process? You know, what did, what did you enjoy about it? And what was the hardest part for you as the entrepreneur? Um, for us, I think the biggest surprise was how quickly our business went. Um, we had a lot of interest uh, right off the bat um, and um, some pretty qualified buyers. And we ended up with a buyer we, we really liked, and she's doing a great job with the business. Um, so that was very positive. I think um, some of the delays, although, you know, a deal's never done until it's done, and I, I knew that just from, you know, being in business, but... With our particular deal, uh, our buyer had a 401k that was funding part of the deal. And with her situation and the way that it had to roll over out of her business, it took a long time. So we kept getting delayed and delayed. And had I known that that might have been a possibility, I think I would have just been a little more prepared for it. I knew there would be some delays, but we were that that held us up a bit. Yeah. I think we've talked about the ROBS program too. And the ROBS program is a great program. It's a rollover for your 401k where you can use your retirement funds to invest in a business. But with certain 401ks, there there's only um, open periods where you can roll that 401k over and you have to leave the company you're working for first and wait for that open period. So that can you know, delay that whole process. Although sometimes the ROBS program can be done in, you know, a week or two. So it really depends. But to your point, there's just delays during this whole process and some things you can't control as an owner. Yeah. The land, I mean, you know, the ROBS program or SBA landing, things come up. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, you have to get life insurance for the uh, new owner and all of a sudden something medical comes up and then you have to get a clearance or something comes up in like the ROBS program where, They have to, you know, they have to go to the old company and get permission and all these things. And as a business owner, it could be completely frustrating because here you are, you know, trying to schedule your trip around the world or you're just trying to wind things down. It's like, when do I tell so-and-so they're not going to be a part or, you know, it's going to be up to the new owner if they continue with this marketing program or should I run a sale this month? I mean, all these things or should I buy you know, like I think cost of coffee is going to go up in the next three months. Should I buy three months worth of coffee? So all that kind of stuff comes up. And and we tell our owners that you have to run your business like it's not going to sell up to the day of closing, which is 
completely terrifying because you go to <laughs> yeah. the business. Yeah, you're literally running your business and somebody says, oh, it's time for the closing. You get to leave. And it's it's shocking. Yeah. yeah. I would say the only other uh, thing I wasn't prepared for was I didn't think I would be emotionally attached to that business. And that was the first business I opened. And so that one, that was the hardest one. Other, the other ones I sold to my partner is not a problem, but that one hurt a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an emotional process. We yeah. talk about this with, you know, people are thinking about selling too. Yeah, yes, it's a financial transaction, but it's not just a financial transaction, especially we're talking about small businesses here, right? It's, you know, someone's baby. It's been what they've lived and breathed for two, five, 40 years sometimes. It's, it's an emotional process. And to think that you're going to, get away without getting a little emotional about it, I think it's kind of a misnomer. I think Nate's tearing up as we speak. Is he? Did you yeah. tear up when you did, did, Were you happy to see it go or were you, did you have some remorse as well? Equal remorse. Yeah. Um, yeah, that Allie's describing. It had been 11 years and I think as a part of that, I had some employees who had been with me, some family members for up to 10 years and while I knew that we weren't going to be able to tell them until the day of the sale, it started to get really complicated in my own head and with the briar, call it a week or two out from closing because we were instructed that we weren't going to say a word until all the paperwork was done and then we would drive over and notify everybody. And as a small business, it was like family and that whole piece, uh, it was the right way to do it, but it was just tough to manage yeah, emotionally. It is absolutely the right day. We've said that before. You absolutely want to keep it confidential to the day of closing to the point where sometimes you have to tell little, you know, white lies to get to the closing table, which is very difficult to look someone in the eye. And that's a tough day when you have to drive back and you and you have to tell someone that, you know, you just this is the new owner and, uh, you know, and you have to give your farewell speech and it's tough. Yeah, it's it's really tough. I mean, it's definitely in everyone's best interest to keep it quiet, right? Because like we talked about, there's delays. You just never know if these things are going to close and to put employees through the emotional turmoil that we go through as entrepreneurs or brokers, not fair. But yeah, that last day, that, that transition meeting's pretty hard. Yeah, <laughs> and, and again, buyers get remorse too. So sometimes <laughs> they don't show up to closing and we've seen crazy things out there in the world. And we've seen people have heart attacks the day before, and we've seen people, uh, you know, we've seen businesses burn down the night before. I mean, it's been kind of crazy stuff, but uh, it's not over till it's over. Nate, what advice would you give to somebody after going through this process? Like for an entrepreneur who's looking to sell the first time, what would be your advice to them? To be as prepared as you can uh, from a financial standpoint, if you can have good books and records and you can have good records and documentation around your business, if you can go into the process with that in place, I think you can get ahead. Um, and then I learned kind of just by way of working with Al was that this was a, a life event. So I had to be probably more selfish during this process than I normally would be in normal life in terms of really being driven to get myself the best end result but at the same time, trying to take into consideration all those employees around me who were going to be impacted by that decision. So uh, I think part of it is you've, if you're just realistic with the fact that this is going to be emotionally tough and that's just part of the game, I think it's, uh, it would be easier. Yeah, I think one of the misconceptions we see out there is, uh, you know, and I want to get it out there too, that employees usually wind up way better off than they did before the sale, right? <laughs> yeah. Because the new owners really need them. 
And so a lot of times I've seen employees get raises. I've seen employees really enjoy uh, the new owner. Maybe the old owner was burnt out and the new owner comes in and breathes new life and new marketing. And and so I've seen most 90 five percent of the time the employees do very very well afterwards yeah they really they really do and I think it's both it's it's compensation it's new life sometimes they're acquired by you know another small business and they have more opportunities for growth there's just a lot a lot they can you know take away from the transaction what about you Allie what would you have for advice for entrepreneurs getting ready for an exit yeah um in addition to all the things that Nate said um you know, most of us kind of know at least a year out that we're thinking of selling. So really taking a hard look at your business, cutting back where you can, making your, you know, if you can increase your profitability, making sure that your um, your your year over year is definitely at least not declining. That really helped us because we could show that we were on a, that our profits were going up month over month. Um, and then I would say if, just even if you want to be a business owner and you uh, know that you're going to go into business and have a lease, be very careful about it. Um, you know, we had a lawyer uh, for all of our leases, but it doesn't mean that your lawyer's catching all of these things. They're just looking to see if the document, you know, is is will stand up legally. So really having expert advice from the very beginning, I think, is huge because, most of us who start a business at one point will leave that business or sell it. So being super prepared from day one is something that it's advice I wish I had. Yeah. So. There's a saying in the brokerage industry, you're going to leave the business somehow. You're either going to walk out the door or you're going to go out feet first, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. So funny I was going to say the same thing. I think I stole the joke from you. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. I, it wasn't from me. I took it from someone else well, too. I took it from you. But yes. yeah, I mean, all great points. And Ali, I think that's why like, you know, on this podcast, we talk a lot about having broker representation or professional representation. And it's not to push services of professionals, but it's really just a really good practice in your business to have somebody who has expertise in a certain area that can help guide you through these, you know, entrepreneurial journeys when it might be your first time. And then also like while you're going through the sale process to make sure your business is staying at least flat, if not growing, right? Because a declining revenue is, is one of the biggest deal killers you can face. So being able to focus on your business while somebody else is trying to sell the business, very yeah. important. And Nate brought that up too. Good books and records, number one. And like Ali said, uh, you uh, the banks will not finance a, a business that has revenue de decline over the last couple of years. So the both points, amazing points. And and, and again, I, I love this interview because I think we're seeing a lot more of the emotional side. Like like Jessica and I, we, we really feel for our, our clients and, and people. And uh, you do want to think about it two years. We always tell that. We always say the words. We want you to call us two years before you're going to sell because of all those things. We want to tell people, hey, you got to get those revenues up over the next two years because every dollar and, you know, you'd be a little bit selfish sometimes, maybe not hire another employee. Maybe you're going to work a little bit higher because every dollar turns into a multiple, right? Whatever the multiple is going to be, two, three, whatever it is, you're going to get an extra two, three dollars at the sale. And then you do want to keep good books and records and you want to be ready and you have to have the leases all prepared because if if you call your trans world agent just two years before, we're happy to sit down with you, have a conversation and talk about what the eventual exit should look like. Yeah, and I mean, worst case scenario, two years from there, you decide you want to keep it. Um, usually what ends up happening is what you've put into place is the profitability is increased. So you're pocketing more money too. So that's not a bad solution either. 
Yeah, we just closed a deal in Jacksonville. It was a multi-million dollar deal uh, where they basically said, we want $5 million for your, their business. And we told them they weren't even close. And and they told our agent, John Guywitz, they said, okay, fine. Well, we want to put you on our board uh, and we want you to come in once a quarter over the next few years. And I think it was four years later or five years later, and they sold for $5 million because they did all the things that he told them told them to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Well, thank you both for joining us. I think this has been really valuable for our listeners to just hear from this perspective of two people that have gone through the process before. And, you know, I hope you listening out there, you've taken away some lessons. Um, and if you have any questions at any time or, you know, you just want a business broker to get in touch with you and give some advice from where your business is at, you can always reach out to us here at the deal board or at tworld.com. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for coming in, both of you. It's It was invaluable. Yeah. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for listing of the week. Hey, we're back with listing of the week and we have a very special guest. We have Pete Sheehan and uh, he's a long time intermediary. He's been in the franchising business. He's been in the business brokerage business. He's a very successful guy on Long Island and uh, in back in my uh, home turf of the Northeast. And uh, Pete has a very interesting uh, listing. He's from Trans World of Hop Hog out on Long Island. And, and I probably said that wrong. So Pete, welcome to the show. And why don't you give us a little background on your business? The business I have, Andy, is uh, very unique. It's uh, retail as well as internet-based. Uh, in the camera and photography industry, uh, the gentleman does about $2.7 million in sales, um, has about $700,000 in inventory in the business, and has been growing the last several years tremendously, uh, where he's really uh, developed his internet presence, you know, to the extreme. Wow. Sounds like a, a really busy, I mean, 60 years in business, right? I always talk about that with uh, businesses that, you know, you want to buy a business that people have been going to for years and years and years because people don't change their habits. Even in this online, this stuff, like especially cameras, right? People want that expertise, that touch and feel, and they get an, an expert on the phone. So it sounds like this would be a great business for someone uh, in the camera industry or, or photography industry that wants to buy something established, right? Yes, this is a third-generation business. Uh, they are very, very knowledgeable. His staff is very knowledgeable. And, you know, they can help with all types of things. That sounds great. Pete, what's the best way to get in touch with you if they want to talk more about this business? They can reach me at 516-639-2465 or email me at psheehan, S-H-E-E-H-A-N, at tworld.com. Great. Thanks for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into our show today. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review. If you have questions or suggestions for the show, visit us at tworld slash the deal board or email us at the deal board at tworld.com. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.